Hello, juniors. You're listening to the podcast for Thursday, March 25th, or Friday, March 26th. Let's take a moment and remember that we are in God's holy presence. All right. So, as you have probably noticed, today we're talking about World War One. All right. Not World War Two. World War One. World War One is way more confusing. So we're actually going to spend a little bit of time of figuring out what the heck happened with World War One. Okay, and the first step to doing that is filling out your attendance form and reviewing nationalism and imperialism. So make sure you do that now. All right, now that you have reviewed nationalism and imperialism, you are ready for the starring role that they will play in the beginning of World War One. So Mr. Meyer is going to walk you through the background to World War One. You should have your World War One guide open, and you should have your slides up, and wherever you are taking your notes up as well. Right? So Nationalism and imperialism were a big deal in the late 1800s, early 1900s, as we have already discussed. All right, for we already we have looked at what it was like for America, but for everyone else in the world, it looked like the countries of Europe fighting each other over control over the rest of the world, especially over to trying to control Africa. The countries of Europe ended up kind of like splitting up Africa into a bunch of different colonies, which, by the way, is kind of why Africa is a little messed up now, because the borders that they drew didn't make any sense then, and they still don't make sense now. So the countries of Europe fought each other literally over imperialism. That's step one. Step two is nationalism on steroids and on some more and more steroids. It may surprise you to note that the countries of Germany and Italy are younger than the United States. Yes, the areas have existed with people and civilizations a little bit longer than the United States, if we are not counting native civilizations, if we are just counting white people civilizations. However, the countries of Germany and Italy didn't exist until the mid to late 1800s, right? And this was nationalism gone crazy, right? So Germany and Italy used to be a bunch of city-states that controlled a little bit of area. What happened is that in each of these scenarios, one of these city-states up and decided to control the rest of the ethnically Italian and ethnically German areas. Um, and it's most important in Germany's case because the city-state small country of Prussia decided to get super jacked up on the military and then they literally fought wars with the rest of Europe to create Germany. The One of the biggest was the Franco-Prussian War, where Prussia literally kicked France's ass. All right? Like, there's no other way around that. Okay? 
And so the people around the world, and especially in Europe, started seeing, oh, hey, they're creating these countries because they want one. And so the desire of people who were ethnically similar, who didn't have a country, became really strong. So, for example, there's an ethnic group of white people called Slavic people. They very much wanted their independence and their own country. The problem was the country of Austria-Hungary, which was ethnically German, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, didn't want to give it up. And so what happened is the ethnically German Austrian, Austrian Archduke Franz Ferdinand got assassinated by Slavic nationalists who wanted to create the country of Serbia. Now, if you had no idea where any of those places were, you should have looked at slide number four. You can see where a lot of these places are. The Slavic and Serbian countries I mentioned, they are on the border between Austria, Hungary, and Russia, because Russia and Slavic people are ethnically the same. So, now, when the Archduke got assassinated, things got super duper duper complicated, okay? So, they, I have made a timeline for you to make sure you know kind of exactly what happened and who did what, okay? So, first thing is that the Archduke Franz Ferdinand got assassinated, and he, the group that assassinated, the terror terrorist group, the Black Hand, wanted Serbian independence from Austria-Hungary. Austria took the next week talking to Germany going, hey, you got our back, right? You got our back, right? Because they were worried that if they responded, Russia would get mad because Russia and Slavic people, Serbia, they are the same ethnicity, literally. So, Germany gave Austria that assurance of, yeah, we got your back in the form of what's now called the blank check. You know, you do what you need to do. We got you. We got your back. Okay. Austria then waited three weeks to do anything. And once they did something, they issued an ultimatum to Serbia. What was in the ultimatum is not important. What is important is that the ultimatum was designed to make Serbia reject it because it was so pointed. So it was so angry that Serbia had no choice but to reject it. All right? And this was because Austria was like, okay, Germany's got our back. We want to fight Serbia here because of this. And so in response, like 36 hours later on July 25th, Russia declared itself to be preparing, air quotes, to mobilize its army. Preparing, air quotes, means they were really just mobilizing their army, but they just wanted to make it seem like, oh, we're not really, but really, we're mobilizing our army. And the next day after that, Serbia rejected Austria's ultimatum, but in a way that made it sound like they were agreeing and rolling their belly up and giving up. So everybody else in the world, including Germany, who was supposed to have Austria's back, they were like, oh, everything's fine. Austria's not going to go at them anymore because Serbia's like giving up, even though they're kind of, they're rejecting it, they're giving up. So, okay, everything's good. So Germany and everyone else was blindsided. 
on July 28th when Austria declared war on Serbia, even though their army wasn't mobilized. 36 hours later, on July 30th, Russia, air quotes, actually mobilized their army, even though it was basically already mobilized. And Germany was like, whoa, 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 we got Austria's back. You need to, you need to back off, you know, stand down. We'll, we'll take care of this. Don't get involved. All right. But that didn't really do much because on August 2nd, France mobilized their army in support of Russia. And so Germany was just like, okay, screw it. We're declaring war on Russia. And then the next day they're like, you know what? Really screw it. Austria, you screwed us up. So screw it. We're going to take care of this. We're going to declare war on France too. And then on August 4th, Germany was like, yeah, we're going to take care of France right now. We're going to march through the country of Belgium, who is neutral in all of this moving and shaking. We're going to go through Belgium to get to France and attack them. And the British, who were allied with the Russians and the French, were like, oh, no, you don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. And Germany's like, you know what? We're doing it anyway. And so on August 4th, the British declared war on Germany, and everyone was at war with each other. Complicated. Yes. To make it a little simpler, historians have come up with a few reasons for why World War I started and started all of that mess. Okay? So, I want you guys to read about those reasons... That's linked in your World War I guide, step number two now. We've moved from step one to step two. Read about them, and then in two to three sentences, right below where it says step two in the guide, write two to three sentences that describe how all of those reasons worked together to cause the war. This should take you anywhere from between 15 to 30 minutes. When you are done come back to the podcast. All right, guys. Now that you have looked at the reasons for why all of that mess of World War I started and described how you think all those reasons work together to cause the war, you're going to step number three, also slide number six. All right. We're going to bring the United States into this. Okay. To the United States, World War I is a foreign crisis. Okay. It's a crisis that's not happening in the United States. It's happening outside of the United States, therefore foreign crisis. We're going to examine how the U.S. responded to this foreign crisis. You need your textbook for this step. And I want you to read pages 632 to 634 in your textbook. You start in the middle of the page on where U.S. enters the war and then stop in the middle of the page where it says over there on those headings. Okay. As you read your textbook, I want you to answer the questions that are in your World War I guide for step three, right below step three. Question one, why did the U.S. not want to get involved? And then, why did the U.S. eventually get involved in World War I? You should have a good answer for both of those questions once you are done with step number three. 
just like step number two. This should take you anywhere from between 15 to 30 minutes. When you are done doing that, come back to the podcast and slide number seven. All right. Now that you've figured out why the U.S. ended up getting involved in World War One, we're going to wrap up with World War One by taking some more notes on on what the U.S. involvement was like and how World War One ended up going and ending. Okay, so slide number seven. First thing you should make a note of, and you should bold this, underline it, circle it, whatever in your notes. The U.S. was not the reason that the Allies won World War One. This will be different in World War Two, but in World War One, the U.S. was like a cheerleader. Yes, provides great energy. Doesn't actually put the team on their back and carry them to a win. Same thing with like. I'm going to give you a sports metaphor. The U.S. was the guy off the bench in whatever sport you're thinking of. They're the guy that came off the bench. There's a reason they weren't starting, but they gave you a lot of hustle, got the team energized, and then the rest of the team got energized and were like, we got this, and took care of it. Okay. Why was the U.S. involvement not such a huge deal to World War One? The answer is because World War I was trench warfare, and the U.S. just straight up didn't provide enough people or resources to make a huge difference in trench warfare. All right, Trench warfare, you notice on slide number seven, it's got a link on it. Click on that link and check out that diagram of how trenches worked. Okay. First thing to note about trench warfare is that it's really basically very simple dig a trench to hide from the machine guns because guess what we have machine guns now and um in order to gain any territory and win at all in world war one you had to take the opposing people's trench which means you had to not get killed by machine guns which was almost impossible in order to take another trench you would have to sacrifice a lot of soldiers to make that happen okay and to top it all off um europe where the, this a lot of this fighting is happening um europe is not like arizona okay it's not a desert it does not get hot right and it's not dry everything is wet and it rains a lot and because it's not a desert when it rains if you dig a trench, the water's going to accumulate in the trench and then not evaporate because it's not a desert. When you're not in a desert, water doesn't evaporate very fast, right? And so soldiers are literally living in these trenches that are filled with water. And because they're filled with water, they attract, you know, diseases and rats and giant bugs. And the countries were expecting these soldiers to, you know, Go win the war. Okay. If you want to see what the fighting in World War One looked like, look at these, to see it in action, check this out link 
on slide number seven. It comes from a movie called All Quiet on the Western Front, which was made in 1930, which means that the people that made this movie experienced World War One, and the people they got to act the act what you see out, they all a lot of them fought in World War One. So it's very realistic up to the point of, you know, they weren't actually killing each other because they were filming it. All right. You can pause and view that. So, hope you enjoyed the movie clip. Um, as I already pointed out, in order to win in trench warfare, you needed a lot of people. Failing that, you needed a way to cross the trench from one trench to another without getting killed by the machine gun. And since the war kind of devolved into Germany versus everybody else, the Allies, uh, this was problematic for everybody because everybody that wasn't Germany was running out of people. Germany was running out of people. And so they needed ways to get from one trench to the other without dying. And so, they developed the tank. The tank, in World War I, wasn't super amazing like it is now, but it, got, it did its job. It got people from one trench to the other without dying, and it had a machine gun on it so it could kill the people that weren't in tanks. All right. And since the Allies developed the tank first, they won World War I. Pretty simple. And this led to the peace treaty, the Treaty of Versailles. We will talk about the Treaty of Versailles um, next week. All right. Now, take a moment. Make sure that you have answered the first lesson question for today. And then you are taking your off-screen break. Please note that on slide number eight, and the part two assignment post, you've got specific start times for the second part of class. Make sure you are back and up and going with all of the links Mr. Meyer has sent you during class at those times. Alrighty, kiddos, you are now in part two of class, and that means you need Slide number nine, you need the email Mr. Meyer sent you with a Google Calendar invite, and you need to join that meeting with your small group, and you need the two other emails Mr. Meyer sent during this class period. One of them has the subject line, your role in the committee, and the email tells you exactly what your role is. And you need the email that is sharing a set of Google Slides with you. All right. Um, that email you got telling you your role, that tells you what your point of view should be in this group discussion, in this group work. Okay. What this group is doing is deciding who's responsible for World War I. Basically, who are we blaming and what are we going to do about it? Okay. It's your job to represent the role Mr. Meyer emailed you. All right. You are not using your own opinion. 
Okay, you are using the opinion of the role that you got dealt. Okay, and it's your job to get the committee and the group to be as close to what you and your role want as possible. Okay, that's your job. All right, use everything we used in part one to try and figure out, okay, who's responsible and what should we do to who is responsible, okay? One person's role is the president. Once they make a decision based on your input, that is the decision, okay? On the Google Slides, each person will make one slide, all right? It will go the roles of people. You put who you want to blame and hold responsible for the war and what you want to do to them. And then the last slide is created by the president role where you put the committee's decision, what you, what you guys decided as a group, okay, we're going to hold this person, country, whatever, responsible, and here's what we're going to do to them. And then the president is the person who turns it in in the part two assignment post. Doing all of this, should take you about 30 minutes. Mr. Meyer will be popping in and out of the meetings that you are supposed to be in. Hopefully you are there and contributing to your group. If you are not, that's really problematic for you. Okay? All right. Once you are done with your group work, you can leave your meeting and come back to this podcast. All right, now that you're done with your group work and deciding who's responsible for World War I, I want to make you guys aware of the fact that during this unit, you have a few unit-long assignments that are going on throughout the entire unit, and it is the expectation that you are taking a few minutes to work on them during class, for homework, whatever it is, okay? Same as before, your essential and skill questions, unit long, you should be doing them after every class period. Related, make sure you've answered the second lesson question for today. Also same as last unit, your Socratic seminar preparation is up for you and it's your job to be preparing for the Socratic seminar throughout the unit, especially in the back half of the unit when we start, when you start having some choices about which different things you want to learn about. Okay. A change that has been made is that the online discussions uh, in this unit, there will only be one and it will last the entire unit. You will respond to it. And then at dates, Mr. Meyer will point out to you, you will reply to classmates. Okay. In total, you're going to respond and then you're going to reply to classmates twice. Your original response will be due by Friday night, 9 p.m. You should take 5-10 minutes and do it now since you are about done with class. And then finally, for this unit specifically, you're going to learn some vocab. Because slang from back at the times we are studying 
for this unit especially is super fun. Okay? And so there is an assignment called 1920s vocab. The total assignment will probably take you like 45 minutes if you sat down and did it all at once. I don't want you to do that. I want you to just do a few minutes, like one word or a couple of words every few days or something like that. Okay, spread it out. It'll make life easier for you. The reason we're doing this is because what I want you to do is to start using that vocab in your everyday life so that you can use it when we have our Socratic seminar. It will be in the expectation at the end of this unit when we have the Socratic seminar that you are speaking like you're in the 1920s having the discussion about the Socratic seminar. Okay? It will be enjoyable if you take the few minutes to learn the vocab because the vocab in all honesty, it's really fun. Okay? That's all I've got for you. Have a great weekend, and I hope you are ready for a nice short week next week.